Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. CBJ in 30 is being brought to you by Mike's Hard Freeze. Here's Bob McElligot. Welcome to a live edition of CBJ in 30, coming to you from the Chiller North, the site of Blue Jackets development camp this year because of the renovations being done at Nationwide Arena, the Blue Jackets out of the arena, but here at Chiller North, and their first on-ice session is happening today. Going to have some guests coming along as we go through uh, everything here today and get you caught up on what's happening here and just get you the lay of the land, if you will, as the Blue Jackets are on the ice and and getting set to go. This is kind of the first real step toward the 2022-2023 season, right? As you get these prospects in here and you get these uh, the guys that were just taken in the draft last year, first time that they come to Columbus and um, they get on the ice, they get around guys who they hope are going to be their future NHL teammates. This is what it is all about. It's also a Monday mailbag edition of the show. So before the guests start to roll in, let's get to some of your questions right now. I want to bring in my broadcast partner, Dylan Tyre, who did such a great job at the NHL draft last weekend and getting us all caught up on the prospects. And he's been here, and he's been watching this morning. And we're going to talk prospects to get it going. So, uh, Dylan, take a seat here. And let's get to the questions at Bobby Mac Sports on Twitter. And the first one comes from Curtis D. And he says, your thoughts on the draft this summer. I personally love the picks that Yarmo and his staff made. I love them, too. I mean, they all left there feeling really good about uh, the picks that they made. And, uh, you know, they're happy. They're happy with what they did. Uh, two defensemen in the first round, first uh, only the fourth time in the history of the league a team has done that. But when you look at the players and, uh, you know, the background on the players and the potential of the players, it doesn't make it a surprise at all. Yeah, I mean, obviously it, it, it was a shocker thinking going into that draft that Yarmo Kekalainen may trade one of the two first-round picks that the Blue Jackets had. It really made it, he made it seem like the Blue Jackets were going to do that, all the different offers that they had. But when it came down to it, the Blue Jackets got two players they really liked, I think, two guys that were high on their board. In David Juracek, we just saw him on the ice here, his first time in a Blue Jackets uniform at development camp, and he looked excellent. This guy really looks like he can play. Denton Matejchuk, I think it was exactly as he's built. Very consistent player, a uh, guy that's kind of meat and potatoes, can do it all. He looked like that in the brief time that we saw him out on the ice. Both of those picks, really, really good. I like the the upside of both of those players, and David Juracek especially is a guy that still has growing to do, filling out in his body to do. Uh, I really like David Juracek after watching him skate today, and he's somebody that excites me. The other draft picks the Blue Jackets made, you know, Luca Del Bell Belouz, people thought he could be a late first round pick. The Blue Jackets were able to find him in round number two, so some upside there. He looked good on the ice today, and we got to talk to him because he was on our flight back from Montreal and seemed like a really, really nice kid. Happy to be with the Blue Jackets organization. Only time I've ever been happy to be delayed in a connecting flight yeah, because well, that's where we got our time to talk to him. Really. Ex exactly. And then Jordan Dumay after him. Jordan Dumay had quite the quote that came out following the draft that, you know, he was asked what scouts thought about him and, and why he wasn't ranked higher because he finished third in the QMJHL in scoring this season and led the Halifax Mooseheads in scoring. He was the highest scoring player, draft eligible player in the Q this season and, and you'd, when you see a guy like that you think, okay, he's going to definitely go in the first round. Well, he does have some warts on his game, but he said, you know, these scouts are, are league scouts and they're not working for teams for a reason. If they were good, they'd be working for NHL teams. So maybe they don't know me, but the Blue Jackets get a confident player very clearly. 
in the third round in Jordan Dumay. He's out on the ice right now as we're doing this, and certainly a guy that uh, is looking to make an impression in this camp. And outside of that, the Blue Jackets drafted high upside. Um, in terms of goaltenders, they were able to get a goaltender out of Russia. Um, people didn't think this was a great goalie draft going into it. Uh, the goaltender that the Blue Jackets got, people said, you know, maybe he's one of three, four, five guys that you would actually be willing to draft in this draft. Well, the Blue Jackets take a chance on somebody, and he's a project. Uh, the other guy that they drafted, Zolchenkov, out of Russia, huge, six foot six, two hundred forty pounds, at just eighteen years old, and he scored a lacrosse-style goal this past season. So he clearly has hands. That's just an upside pick that a lot of people liked. And then, of course, they finish up with James Fisher, uh, a Boston-area high school guy. He's uh, likely going to play with Youngstown of the USHL next season before going to Northeastern University. So some Ohio ties already. And uh, he's another guy who's uh, an upside pick for the Blue Jackets, could certainly contribute. And another one of these guys at just 18 years old has terrific size out there on the ice, six foot two, six foot three, about 200 pounds. He's out there right now. So another uh, interesting guy to watch. And James's dad is actually standing right next to us here in this pink shirt. So he's made the trip to watch his son. So uh, that's a, a little fun nugget as well. That is absolutely awesome. Yeah. That's, um, that, that's, that's a great feeling. Uh, so I'm not going to bug him. <laughs> he's intent. He's, he's focused. He's intent. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I get that. Been there. Done that. Uh, here's a question from Jake who says, with the amount of good young defenders currently on the roster and in the pipeline, in three years from now, who is in our top six and who has to go? But, you know, a lot of things happen between now and three years from now. Um, you know, if you look at it right on the surface, look, Jake Bean is a guy that played a lot last year, but he's kind of a bubble guy depending upon what goes on and if you acquire a defenseman via trade or maybe free agency. Uh, you know, Boquist is staying. He scores. Uh, first of all, let's start at the top. Orensky, in. Yeah. Gavrikov, in. Boquist scores a lot of goals. He's in. Andrew Peak played on the first pair most of the year last year. That's not where he's going to be in his entire career, but he is in. So we've already ripped off four. And, and then, you know, right, so right now, Jake Bean is there. But, you know, as you go along, who knows? That's the whole thing. Who knows? Because now there's not just the guys that they got this weekend. There are some other guys that have been, you know, put together good seasons last year and some in North America that uh, that always is a little bit more eye-popping. Yeah, if you're looking three or four years down the road, and, and this isn't to disrespect or disvalue any of the guys that are on the Blue Jackets roster right now, and I'm not going to tell you necessarily who has to leave or who's going to leave because all of this is a perfect world scenario. Uh, this is barring any trades that could happen, and certainly the Blue Jackets will make trades down the road, especially given that they've got such a deep defensive prospect pool now. But you're probably hoping it's some variation of Zach Wierenski and David Juracek. Um, then you're looking at Denton Matejchuk and Adam Boquist. And then beyond that, I know they really like Guillaume Richard as well. Uh, at Providence College, he was just on the ice a few moments ago, really smooth skating defenseman who had a, a great freshman season in college last year, French-Canadian guy. And then don't forget about Corson Kuhlemans. He's a right-shot defenseman that the Blue Jackets selected late in the first round last year, and, and he's a guy who just led Wisconsin in points, not just among defensemen, but the entire team in points as a true freshman uh, this past season. He has a lot of upside, and to me, he has a similar skill set as David Juracek. Kuhlemans is a little bit shorter, but a little bit thicker than David Juracek. Obviously, as a year in college where he spent a lot of time in the weight room, Juracek doesn't have that. Um, but but Corson Kuhlemans is certainly a guy that 
you know, I could see I could see a player like that being a chip for the Blue Jackets down the road if they needed to make a deadline deal, but also a guy that I'd love to see in a Blue Jackets uniform because I think he could be quite good. When we talked to Rick Nash about him uh, this past season, I asked Rick, you know, if there was one guy in the NHL that you could compare Corson's game to, who would it be? And he said Seth Jones. So he's a player like that, similar skill set. And like I said, I think there are a lot of similarities between he and Juracek. So if if you're looking at those guys in your top six defensively, that's pretty darn good. But there are a ton of other players also knocking at the door for the Blue Jackets. Stanislav Svozel, he's not here at development camp, but I know the Blue Jackets like him. Samuel Kanashko, who they drafted a couple of years ago, uh, a guy that's really knocking at the door right now. Uh, and Jake Christensen, a lot of different players could be there for the Blue Jackets. And don't forget, they could draft a guy high in the first round next year that's a plug-and-play defenseman that they add to this equation. So it's safe to say that the Blue Jackets are in a really, really good spot right now defensively because I mentioned a top six in three years that I could see being viable for the Blue Jackets, and only two of the guys I mentioned are in the Blue Jackets' top six defensive group right now. You mentioned Jake Christensen. Here's a question from CBJ Finnish fan. Could you see Christensen and Blankenberg as a D pair dominating the AHL level next year? And if we were to acquire one solid D to our NHL roster, say Labushkin, uh, with him, Wierenski, then Gavrikov, Boquist, Bean, and Peak, plus Bayreuther in the NHL. First of all, I don't know if they like Ilya Labushkin or anything like that, but, man, I wouldn't mind saying that name about 14 times. I know. That's your favorite name in the league, I think, to say. You love saying that. You always add a little flair and panache to that name whenever you bring it up. I always think about how my my grandmother and my great-grandmother, you know, when I was a kid and and they used to go out and it was a little bit windy, you know, they always had their hair made up the right way and they wore a babushka. Yeah, yeah. And that's what what I think of every time I say it. Ilya Labushkin. (laughs) That's how you always say it. I love that. So, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean – to, to answer your question, it would be great to see if to see the Blue Jackets shore up defensively this season. I think, you know, you have to think about it this way. At least I think about it this way. Whoever the Blue Jackets sign, if they do sign anybody or trade for anybody to shore up the defense this season, I don't necessarily think it's a, a long-term thing unless it's a young guy um, with, with contract control. You know, we've talked about the Blue Jackets' desire to add a veteran defenseman that plays a a more defensive game, maybe a little bit heavier of a game. I still don't think that's a long-term fix if you're doing that because you have all these young guys in the system right now. Um, what was the first part of the question again? Jake Christensen, Christensen and Nick Blankenberg. And, and Nick Blankenberg being a deep here in Cleveland. Yeah, I could certainly see that. I think the Blue Jackets are going to give both of those guys every opportunity to make the team out of training camp, but at some point you're just going to have too many defensemen. Uh, with that I being, think they'll play a lot of exhibition yeah, games. Yeah, with that being said, I think we'll see both of those guys in the National Hockey League a pretty fair share this season. Um, Blankenberg, he looked great when he played for the Blue Jackets in those final 10 games last season. Jake Christensen's a little bit more of a a project, but you can't deny the offense that he put together in Cleveland last year. He led the Monsters in points and finished fifth among defensemen in the AHL in scoring despite playing less games than everybody else because he was with the Blue Jackets a fair deal last season. So I could see He's almost like Boquist in a way where the offensive side of his game he's already made that transition to the pro game. The defensive side of the game is where the work needs to be done. Yeah, exactly. I could see him certainly slotting in as the Blue Jackets' sixth, seventh defenseman going forward in the future. Gavin Bayreuther is obviously under contract this year, so you like having the veteran there. But, hey, if the if the Cleveland Monsters have a top pair of Nick Blankenberg and Jake Christensen, you're in a great place. I like the Monsters to be pretty good this season based off of all the guys the Blue Jackets have in the, in the pipeline right now. I talked with Chris Clark about that at the draft the other day. We were just hanging out before the first round, and, you know, I asked him, what are you guys looking to do to 
to kind of bolster that. And he said, listen, we should have had a good team last year. Between the injuries that we had in Cleveland and the injuries that the Blue Jackets had that caused guys to be called up, that's where it kind of all fell apart, and especially in the goaltending department. Once Tarasov went down, then there were (laughs) – <laughs> That's a huge hole, right? Yeah, don't forget about that. Daniil Tarasov is going to be huge because you've got to consider the Blue Jackets will at least start the season with Elvis Merzlikens and Jonas Corposalo in Columbus. That means there's an NHL-caliber goaltender playing in Cleveland. If that's the case and Jake Christensen or Nick Blankenberg are up there, anybody in Cleveland listening to this right now, you might see me up there this season because I want to check these guys out. All right, let's stay with defense here. David says, since Chicago is blowing up their team, should Yarmo try to get Connor Murphy because he seems to be exactly what we need? Yeah, you know... I don't, necessarily, I don't know if I see him as exactly what we Yeah, do. I don't necessarily see a point in doing that. If the Blue Jackets were to acquire Connor Murphy, it's not like I would hate that deal or anything. He's a, a good shutdown defenseman, a little bit bigger of a body, a right shot that the Blue Jackets could use. Think about, you know, Andrew Peake uh, in the similar mold, probably a little bit better of a player than Andrew Peake at this stage in his NHL career, but... Is it completely necessarily? I don't really think so. If I were getting somebody uh, on that blue line, if I were looking to acquire a veteran defenseman, I would probably look for somebody that, that throws the body a little bit more than Connor Murphy does, that's willing to engage in uh, in fights more than Connor Murphy does. I'm looking for a real heavy guy. Yeah, I agree with you totally on that. Uh, Sarah says, do you know, has Steve McCarthy already been extended? Yes, he is. He's on the ice right now. He will be coaching the Blue Jackets defense again this year. And she says, if you're doing this when development camp players are on the ice, does anyone stand out already? Here's my generic answer to that. There are guys that will stand out in this camp because you're essentially looking at 18-year-olds against 18-year-olds, except for Kirill Marchenko. That's totally different. Um, This camp, to me, is a fun camp. And it's great to bring guys in for the first time, get them acclimated to the city, uh, get them around what they hope there is going to be future NHL teammates. But this camp, for me, is nothing but that. It is the camp in September. You can be an absolute star in this camp, and you come back in September and you're playing against 25 to 30-year-olds that have uh, got a lot of NHL time, and it's completely different. I don't know how you feel about that, but, yeah, there are guys that are going to stand out, no doubt about it. Um, but it's the looking down the road. That's the September camp. Those are the standouts that count. But you've been around here this morning. Anybody caught your eye? Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. I'm more excited to see all of these guys play together and create those bonds and friendships more so than guys really standing out. But with that being said, David Yurichek looked absolutely unbelievable. Some of the skill that he pulled off this morning, you would thought he was Kent Johnson with the puck on his stick. Um, and Kirill Marchenko. I mean, he's much older and has much more experience than some of these guys. I was just talking about James Fisher a moment ago. Think about this. James Fisher just came out of playing high school hockey, and he's going to be on the ice at the same time as a guy that's an accomplished goal scorer in the KHL. And he and Dumais just had quite a battle there to get the puck to the front of the net. So those are two guys we mentioned just got taken in the draft, and they came to work. Yeah, Marchenko, like I said, Marchenko looked really, really good. He can shoot the puck. He's uh, more physically imposing than I would have previously expected. He's really, really big on the ice. Uh, I would say he and Juracek look the best to me. If he didn't look good, there'd be a problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because he's played so much internationally and in the KHL, uh, you know, he's played the man's league. There's no doubt about that. Then one dark horse, I'll say, Luca Del Belbalus. He put the puck in the back of the net a lot. There you go. Perfect. Uh, James Harris III says, I'd really love to know who you think is joining us next season out out of the last few drafts. Sometimes the excitement makes us forget players who aren't here yet and also over-dreaming of this year's players who won't be ready yet. I mean, to me, 
Yurichek is the only one that has a chance to come out of this one, don't you think? Yeah, out of this year's draft, it would be David Yurichek. And you're even certainly. pushing to get it, that to happen. Yeah, and exactly. Uh, David Yurichek making the team this year, it would be a very similar situation to Cole Sillinger last year where he really impressed professionally with the guys, and I don't mean the guys on the ice right now, I mean the NHL players in that dressing room, the coaching staff, uh, the management staff of this team. If he impressed enough during training camp, I would say they would give him a shot those first few games of the season, potentially the, the nine-game trial that they're given. Um, he would be probably, well, definitely, I think, the only guy out of this year's draft. And you might, may think to yourself, Denton Matejchuk, he was drafted 12th overall. Well, he's only 17 years old. He turns 18 tomorrow, so that's pretty young to be starting things off. Um, and he's still got plenty of time left in the Western Hockey League as well. Uh, from past drafts, Kirill Marchenko was drafted second round 2018. I think, obviously, He's going to get a big opportunity this season. Other than that, um, I think the Blue Jackets are pretty set. Otherwise, uh, a guy that I'm interested to see is Michael Putia. He was in the first group as well. Uh, he led under 20 players in goal scoring in the Finnish League this past season. So I'll just be interested to see you know, what he looks like. He might have an opportunity somewhere. Who knows? But I think the real, really the only two guys... Uh, with NHL prospects this season would be Juracek and Marchenko. So we've answered, we have answered Pale Dragon's question, which Blue Jackets pick from this class do you think has the highest NHL upside and who will become an NHL regular soonest? And that, that's who we think from this year's draft, no doubt about that. In terms of upside, though, it could be a number of yeah. players. Like Jordan Dumay, people compare him to Braden Point, a guy who was bashed for his skating and his size coming out of the draft, but really impressed. Uh, Denton Matejchuk, people have said this guy could revolutionize the defensive position in the National Hockey League. So those are big, you know, obviously a lot of praise and big expectations for a guy. But, yeah, Juracek, he got drafted before Matejchuk for a reason. And they're saying that after Kale McCarr got all those accolades through the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. So that's... I mean, Denton Matejchuk, I'm pretty sure... In his power play, the, on the power play in Moose Jaw, he plays like the bumper position on their power play. Like, yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's a, he's a unique breed. Yes, that that would be very unique. Mark Carell the second says, seems like Yarmo drafted for three or four years down the road versus two to three years down the road, like last year. Is this an indication he's okay with the roster at the moment and the existing defensive core is expected to be far better, or is this a course correction on the retool to a rebuild? I don't think that whatsoever. I think he's. I think he's right on course. No, he's absolutely on course. This doesn't change anything. It's shoring up the prospect base. It, I like what he's done a lot. It's there, There's nothing to worry about. You got Trent Vogelhuber here waiting for you. You want to get do. to that? Yeah, absolutely. All right, you need anything more from me? No, I'm good. All right, Bob, Thank I you, appreciate Dylan. it. I appreciate that too. Dylan Tyre, breaking down the prospects for us and uh, who we might see sooner than somebody else. And guy that uh, – once the prospects get to a point where they are almost ready to make it to the NHL, after they've gotten through junior, after they've gotten through the European leagues, whatever it is, they wind up in the American Hockey League, Trent Vogelhuber is going to be running the Cleveland Monsters and officially is going to be running the Cleveland Monsters as a head coach this year. Trent, thank you for taking some time for me. Really appreciate it, and congratulations on the promotion from the assistant coach to head coach. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. It's uh, obviously exciting uh, for me. Uh, personally, but, um, you know, we got a, a really good group of young prospects, so we're just, our staff's excited to, to get to work. And I say you're officially running it as the head coach this year because last year you were kind of the, the interim guy in many cases, uh, so you've you've already got a year of experience, if you will, underneath your belt. This is not going to be that big of a change for you, is it? Well, no, yeah, it was obviously unfortunate uh, what happened to Ever there. He had some health issues that kept him away from the rink. 
um, and we, we certainly missed him. Um, but at the same time, pro sports and pro hockey is all about taking that opportunity when it comes your way, right? So I ended up uh, kind of being the head coach um, without the title for the majority of the year, and it was trial by fire. But it was a crash course in, in being a head coach in the American League. So wouldn't want to do it again because it was, you know, wasn't organized going into it and kind of trial by fire. But I'm really uh, grateful for the experience now looking back at it. Nice for an Ohio guy to be the head coach of an Ohio team, an American Hockey League team. I mean, it's been a long journey for you as a player and then getting into coaching. And, like, did you ever sit at any point in your career, did you ever think, you know what, I think I want to be a head coach? Nope. Nope. Never thought I about I talked to it. so many guys that say that. No, nope. yeah. I mean, when you're playing, it's – if you – you know, if you're making plans for post-career, it, it, it takes away from your focus. You, it's You have to be so dialed on a day-to-day basis. So I, I never thought about it. Um, I was just enjoying what I was doing, trying to get to the next level and, and be the best that I could be. And then it was literally one day at practice. Bill Zito at the time asked if I'd be interested, and I'd never thought it. It took me by surprise. Never thought about it before. Um, so... Obviously, I'm thankful that the opportunity came my way, and thankful that I took that uh, that I took the the step there, um, because I ended up loving it. Never would have thought that I, that I loved it, enjoyed it as much as I do. Is it tough when you get asked the question though? Because basically, what somebody is saying to you is, "We love you, but we don't love you as a player anymore." Yeah, you're not good enough. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no, it, and I knew I, I knew I was winding down, and I'd been in the American League for a long time, and. Unfortunately, I had uh, I was a guy who, whose body gave out on him at a, at a pretty young age. I've, I've had four ACLs and eight knee surgeries, so it was just, and I was coming off another one. So that on top of, you know, there's the league's just getting younger and so much better. And um, I just, I knew deep down that I didn't, didn't couldn't play at that level that I wanted to um, consistently anymore. Um, you don't want to admit that to yourself, but it was, uh, you know, after I thought, after he brought that up, um, I thought about it for a couple weeks, and I had a new son on the new son, so that um, was a couple weeks old at the time. Decided it was best for for the family and myself to take a chance, and like I said, I'm glad I did. Trent Vogelhuber is the head coach of the Cleveland Monsters. You say about how the league is getting so much younger. Here's the great thing about you: you're a young coach in that league, and and we're seeing this trend throughout even into the NHL because you are a little bit closer in age to the players. I think you have a little bit more understanding. And, and you're kind of the guy that you've seen the old school style, you've seen the new school style, and you can kind of mesh together what you like out of each of those things to get the most out of your players, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I do benefit from being a younger guy because a lot of these guys that um, were coaching, um, I'm – I'm, I have a relationship with. I played with or against or, you know, and have been an assistant coach for some of them where you can be a little bit more personal. And so I have a, a relationship and a basis of trust with a lot of these guys. And it was not very long ago that I was in that position. Um, and, our, you know, Mark Letestu, our assistant, is in the same boat. He, he's been there in the NHL and in the American League not long ago. So um, I think for these young guys, maybe right off the bat, you get a little bit more – uh, credit, respect, them knowing that you've been sitting in the in their stall. Um, and, yeah, it's all about relatability with these guys. And I, I like to think that uh, doing this at a young age uh, helps helps me to relate to them, build relationships with them, and ultimately just make them better. Tell me a little bit about the difference between the assistant coach and the head coach position because in some cases, and I've seen this in a lot of ways, where it's good cop, bad cop, right, um, where – 
the head coach can be the bad cop. Like he, and he can, if he wants to be the, the hard driver, he can do that. And the assistant coach is kind of the buddy, and he's going to be the, the go-between, and he's going to help you out a little bit. And then once you go to the head coach, how do you make that adjustment? Where Because you have to adjust. You, you can't have that same relationship, but you don't want to destroy a good relationship you have. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think of it so much as good cop, bad cop. See, I'm um, a lot older than you. Yeah. I've seen this for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's changed. It's sure, changed. Sure, sure. And – I mean, as a head coach, you have to have a lot of the not so easy and fun conversations. There's no, there's nobody to fall back on. It, it you know, it ends with you. So, you you can have um, a lot of the hard conversations. But again, I've been a player. I know what I want as a player. Talking to the head coach, you want honesty, and you want to be coached, right? The best players want to be coached, and and you can be hard on them as long as you're honest with them, um, and you care about them. They'll, they can accept that. So I don't necessarily think as, as the head coach is a bad cop. You, you certainly have to have a lot of unpleasant conversations, um, but as long as you're truthful, uh, they can respect you for it, and you can still maintain that relationship also. Yeah, I think when John Tortorella was here, it was definitely good cop, bad cop thing with Brad Larson. I don't think Brad Larson's a bad cop now. <laughs> no, yeah, no, exactly, yeah, no. And but I, there, I, it was I, defined. Right, right. It was absolutely sure. defined. No, and I, I played for Brad uh, for a couple of years in, in Springfield, and um, I take a lot of, you know, the way that I want to coach from him, from guys like him and Jared Bednar, who was also in the Columbus system for, for years. And um, they're like that, right? You, you want that honesty and you want coaches to be hard on you to make you better. And as long as they're telling the truth and, and telling you where you stand, um, you still respect them for it. And, uh, you know, those are ultimately the guys that you want to play for. How tough was last year for you guys in Cleveland? Because between the, the injuries that you had and the injuries that the Blue Jackets had, I don't think you even came close to having the team together during the year that you thought you were going to coming out of camp. Yeah, no, it was difficult. Um, I don't like, especially in the American League, to be, to lean on lean on an excuse of, of injuries or call-ups because every team deals with that. We're not the only ones, right? There's um, We, we might have been a little bit further at that end of the spectrum last year than, than most teams. Um, but it, it was difficult, I think, more so um, than the injuries because of the, uh, you know, because of Evers' situation there with the injury and, and he was constantly maybe coming back and then not coming back, kind of in limbo there. And um, under to, it was nobody's fault, right, just circumstances. But me as an assistant coach filling in kind of as head coach, you don't really have the um, maybe authority to make the decisions. or there, the, So it was – I think that was the difficult part, and um, that's why I wouldn't want to go through that situation again. Um, but the injuries are what they are. you got to deal with them. You expect them. You know going through an American League season um, that it's not only the injuries that you're going to sustain, but the Blue Jackets as well, right? And you got to deal with that. So you got to uh, have a good foundation uh, with your group so that when the injuries do come, and they will, the injuries and call-ups – uh, that you've got, like I said, your foundation in place so that you can cruise along as, um, as seamlessly as possible. That was always the worst thing when I was in the American League. You'd see somebody would get hurt and you go, oh, because they never take the worst players. They always take the right. best players yep. from the American Hockey League. Your team is going to get worse. There's no doubt about or they're going – I shouldn't say that. They're going to struggle. Somebody's sure. going to have to step up and fill that hole. Well, that's what it's all about. Like I said, it's uh, it's the league of opportunity. you got to be ready for it when it comes. and. Um, there's going to be guys in our lineup that, that uh, start in the stands that when February rolls around are on the power play. It's just the way that it works and, and the way that, uh, you know, everything falls down. So you got to prepare every day um, and be ready for that opportunity, whether it comes in November or in March.
All right, I got one last thing for you. People want to know, you know, who's really standing out in this camp, and and I'm I'm honest about it. I know guys are going to stand out in this camp, and then they're going to come back in September and be against bona fide NHLers. And if they stand out then, then it's a really big uh, plus for them, right? But here you are, you're a coach. You're just watching. You're looking for the skill sets and, and how strong guys could be. And um, were there any guys today that you saw that you went, ah, I like that guy. I think he's got. Uh, I think he's got some upside. Yeah, no, there are a few, and obviously it's just one practice, and uh, the guys have been going through, uh, you know, some skating work, edge work, just touches to get them back into it. Um, obviously, thirteen uh, pops off the ice pretty quickly <laughs> with the way that he can cut Ken Johnson. Yeah, Ken Johnson. He he's, ca- he, he, if he, he can, doesn't pop off the page, something's wrong. Yeah, right? yeah. So he he caught your eye. He ca- caught my eye pretty quickly just with his ability level. But um, I'm impressed with some of these uh, some of these defensemen um, coming coming through just off the first skate. Um, that Carson Kuhlman's looked really, really good. And, uh, some of these big young demon, um, Marcus Bjork looks great as a, as a, a just assigned, assigned free agent. So, uh, uh, Krill Marchenko popped off. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that can shoot the puck like him. So, uh, it's exciting for the Columbus organization. Um, and obviously for us in Cleveland to hopefully be able to work with some of these guys. Absolutely. Trent, thanks for taking some time. Again, congratulations. Uh, great to have you in that role officially. A, a fantastic opportunity for you. And uh, I hope that roster doesn't get messed with too much this year. Oh, so it, can... will. it will. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Hey, thank you very much right. for having me. Appreciate thank you, Trent. It. Trent Vogelhuber, he is the head coach of the Cleveland Monsters, joining me on this live edition of CBJ and 30. I am at the Chiller North where the Blue Jackets are holding their development camp this year. All of the uh, – Renovations going on at Nationwide Arena, keeping the Blue Jackets out of the arena this year and out of the ice house, and that's why we're out at the Chiller North this year. A little something different. Uh, the The session has ended, so the players have off-ice workouts that are coming up, but uh, we hope to get some guys on here before uh, they go to do their workouts and or after they do their workouts or they skip their workouts. No, they're not going to skip their workouts, I'll tell you this. So in the meantime, while uh, we wait for somebody else to come along, let's uh, let me go to some more of your questions in this Monday mailbag edition of CBJ in thirty, and uh, they've been sent to me on Twitter at Bobby Max Sports, of course. Dark and Stormy says, "Are you concerned about the lack of center prospects in the organization?" Uh, there's a concern, but you know when you look at it. Um, we talked about this at the draft the other day, the second day of the draft. We did the long show. Kent Johnson, uh, the Blue Jackets still continue to say that he can play center and they want to look at him playing center. We just haven't seen it yet. So, you know, maybe they put him in the middle of the ice and maybe he does a fantastic job and, and that answers a lot of questions and makes you feel better. Cole Sillinger, for sure, is going to be a centerman of the future. He's going to be a top-two centerman. Uh, he has the potential to be a captain on this team, so it makes you feel better. Jack Roslevic, the way that he finished the season last year, uh, playing that center position makes you feel a lot better about it. So um, I'm not as concerned. And there are other ways that you can attack all of that too. So we'll see what happens as it goes along. I am uh, joined right now by former Blue Jacket and current development coach Derek Dorsett, who sits down with me here. And last I saw you, you were uh, playing chauffeur from the airport the other day, which was nice of you. And today you're out there on the ice with these prospects. What do you think? Yeah, it was a good day. I mean, it was a, it was a hard day. Um, some are at different points of their training in the summer, and some have been on the ice a lot. Some have been a little bit, and uh, some have been none. So, I mean, it was a hard day for a lot of guys, but, it, uh, you know, they worked hard. Their attention to detail was good, and 
Um, their competitive was good, and that's what uh, we're trying to uh, develop here. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it's the middle of July now, and, you know, some guys take breaks, and, and you know, everybody has their own little thing, right, as to how much they skate. Do you feel that maybe some of these guys, though, stay a little bit more in shape because they knew they were going to get drafted and they want to be coming to this camp uh, putting their best foot forward? Yeah, I, I think everyone stays in shape year-round now. I mean, I don't think it's like the old, old days where guys take a month, month and a half off and – uh, everyone, you know, skates pretty religiously and, and you know, stay in shape year-round. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's different from back when we all played. But, you know, I think uh, I think the guys did a good job today. They played hard. They worked hard. And that's all that we're asking is they, they be competitive. They pay attention. They, they work as hard as they can. And, and I think today was a good day. You were in Montreal for the draft the last couple of days. And as a group, how good did you guys feel leaving there with the moves uh, – that you were able to make with the players you were able to add to the list of prospects? Yeah, obviously it's an exciting day, you know, for the organization and for the kids too and their families. And, you know, it's always, uh, it was my first draft that I've been to and it was exciting to see the, the joy that the kids have, the joy that the families have. It's But, you know, Marty St. Louis said it on stage, it's only the beginning and it's probably the easy part that's already happened for them. And uh, they got a lot of work to do uh, down the road, but if they, they do that work and put that work in, you know, they can live a great life and uh, and get to live out their, their childhood dreams of playing in the National Hockey League. Any of those kids that you just picked up this weekend uh, stand out to you today on the ice? I think, I, you know, I th- it would be unfair it would be unfair for me to say anyone, you know, I think everyone worked hard today and, you know, uh, as camp develops, you maybe get a little better feel. But, you know, we're, we're just focusing on, you know, some skill stuff, but also adding that little compete and competitiveness and some – you know, the, just to know, to let them know, you know, so I, everyone does it a little bit different. Lots of times in summer you just do skill work. But, uh, you know, I think uh, it's important to have that compete in this in this type of atmosphere. So, I, uh, you know, I think the guys did a good job on that. And we'll see how it goes the rest of the week. Talking with Derek Dorsett. And I, I've watched you here since you've become the, the player development guy uh, working with Rick Nash. And I've watched you around prospects. And it just seems to me that you really enjoy this role that you have right now. How much fun are you having? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, the, the organization's been great, all the way from J.D. to Yarmo, um, Nasher, uh, the coaching staff, you know, getting to be with them for the last, you know, five, six weeks of the season last year, learning a lot from Lars, Pascal, Vincent, Mac, Kenny, Bowler. It's it's just been great. I've learned a ton. It's 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 been awesome. I You know, the main thing, one of the things I like about it so much is I get to, you know, pass on the experiences that I've had and the knowledge that I've gained over the years from having good coaches is Ken Hitchcock, John Tortorella, you know, AV, you know, all these different uh, coaches that I've had over my career and, and, and giving those kids the information and, and keeping them upbeat and, you know, let them know that we care about them and that, you know, it's, it's about them. I, I, I just want to see these kids do the best they can do and succeed. And, and that's what uh, gives me the most joy. And with you, and I had the, the good fortune of seeing you play in the American Hockey League and play in the National Hockey League and watch how hard that you had to work and the things that you had to overcome uh, the entire time. And that's what makes me happy to see you happy. And I know that when you're talking to those kids, there's no BS here. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, here, uh, here's the hard work you have to do, and here's how you have to get it done. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think I, I've, I've learned to, over my time that, you know, and being a leader on some teams and helping young guys adapt into the NHL that I've, I've figured out, you know, Everyone's different. Everyone's roadmap's different. So, you know, just understanding that and not expecting the same thing out of the the each player 
each player is going to be different, and they're not going to be what I was. So I have to understand and get to know those kids and understand what makes them tick and then kind of push them and guide them into, you know, what are going to make them good Blue Jackets and good NHL players so they can have long careers. And, um, you know, they put in the work. They put in the time. They got the hockey smarts. You know, you can, uh, you can, you can do anything, and I think that's the, the the message that I try to give these kids: is I'll do anything. I'll, you know, you do you do the work, you you put in the time. I'll I'll help navigate you through you know the ups and downs and and whatnot. Besides the skating, uh, you guys do some things for these guys. You'll teach them to have a cooking class. Uh, there's going to be a good social event for them. The most important thing here, correct me if I'm wrong, is get together, get to know each other, get on the ice. And every one of these guys is hoping that they're going to be NHL teammates together at some point as a Blue Jacket, right? So the camaraderie thing starts today. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's one of the things is just building that relationship. You know, trust is trust is earned. Respect is earned. Once you and you know, it's it's a it's one of those things that you got to build. And once once someone trusts you, they'll they'll open up a little more. So you gotta you gotta build that relationship. So when you tell them something, whether it's it's a stern message or it's a message, hey, you got to maybe try this or that that they know that you have the best interest for them and the organization too. You know, I work for the organization, but I also, my goal is to develop kids and players and National Hockey League kids. And, and I think, you know, that camaraderie and, and, and getting to know them, getting to know each person's personality, you know, how they tick is, is so important in this role and, and in the development journey. Derek, thank you very much. Really appreciate you talking about your job. Continue to have fun and enjoy these kids this week. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Derek Dorsett, player development coach for the Blue Jackets, uh, the Blue Jackets who have just finished up their on-ice portion of uh, their work today. They will continue to work again tomorrow and Wednesday. They'll have the three-on-three scrimmage on Wednesday uh, before getting uh, to the end of this camp, and that will be one of, the, uh, one of the fun things about it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, you, you do. You can only do drills for so long. You can only skate around and uh, work on your edge work for so long, and then you just want to have some kind of a competition and uh, some kind of compete. And they will get the opportunity to do that before this camp is over. Let me go back to your questions on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports. And Michael Weller says, after watching the playoffs, I was amazed at how elite teams pass and control the puck. Is there a reason why the Blue Jackets do not operate this way? Is it talent or the system or both? I've noticed this for years, but I am finally asking. Look, the game is changing, and it's, uh, you know, to me, it's a talent thing. You know, you've got to have the defensemen that are going to make the good first pass and get the puck out of the zone and to the neutral zone. You've got to have the forwards that can get that puck on their stick and be creative with it. They can make plays. They can uh, shoot. Um, you know, and, and it's also a little bit different, too. Like, when you say you're watching it for years, the system does figure in because when John Tortorella was coaching this team, and, you know, there were a lot of grinders here. You know, Cam Atkinson was a pure goal scorer and all that. That's great. But there were a lot of grinders. There were muckers and grinders, and you just got goals in different ways. But it's changing now. It's changing not only with the system, but at, with the uh, players and the caliber of players and the type of players that are being drafted by the Blue Jackets. So they're moving more in that direction. It started last year. And, look, they – they adjusted the offense last year, scored more goals as a team than ever before, but they haven't adjusted the defense to it because they gave up more goals against than ever before. So, you know, it, it's a give-and-take thing, and they've got to get it balanced out. So the offense is already heading in that direction, and they will work on the defense. But that's that's really what it is, uh, to be honest with you, Michael. 
Um, it's when it comes to changing the system, once you've changed the system like this, it's about talent, and the Blue Jackets continue to uh, go ahead and, and add more talent, add more skill, really uh, what it's all about. Jody says, this camp is going to be really tough with the forward depth. Anyone uh, to surprise us and make the team while someone is bumped out who we didn't think it would be? And Jody's talking about the camp in September. That's a hard question to ask right or to answer right now, Jody, because uh, so many things could happen. Uh, there might be some guys that could be moved out via trade. They could move forwards to get defense. Uh, there could be, uh, I, and I think that's more likely of anything else. So I don't know that anybody is going to surprise and make this team like Cole Sillinger did last year where it's going to bump somebody out. But then again, uh, it could happen. It could always happen. If you would have said to me last year, do you think the Cole Sillinger is going to play the entire season in the NHL as an 18-year-old? I would have said, no, no, I'm not. I don't think that he's going to. I, I don't believe that that's going to happen, and yet he did. So, you know, again, it's a uh, totally who-knows kind of thing. Uh, Charlie Go says, I hope the draft was a blast. What was your favorite part of day one and day two of the draft? be honest with you, Charlie, uh, the best part about day one was just getting there and seeing everybody back together again because it had been a couple of years since it happened. For me, it had been seven years since I've gone to the draft in person. So, you know, the fact that we had the last two years where people weren't together very much at all and then being able to go in there and see so many people, you know, other media people that I know and haven't seen for a while, uh, team executives that I haven't seen in a long, long time, uh, people, I mean, I, there were people that I haven't seen in over 20 years that I saw at that draft. So day one was kind of that. It was just kind of getting in there and getting um, – you know, getting back with uh, with a group of people again. That was the best thing about day one. And day two, day two to me was just fun because it was just, you know, the first round takes so long. What the first round take? Three and a half hours, almost four hours to get it done. And the second day, in that same amount of time, we went through rounds two through seven because it's just clockwork. It's boom, here you go. You're on the clock. Here's your pick. Okay, we're going to get this guy. If he's here, we're going to get him down there and go from there. And really what the best part about day two was for me was there were so many guys that were there, uh, even all the way through the seventh round. There were guys that got picked in the seventh round that were still in the crowd and they were coming down. And there have, other, there have been other times I've been at drafts where uh, there haven't been that many uh, once you get into the lower rounds. And I – it just felt like Montreal was a, a really special place. And I know that on the um, 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman has talked about they haven't decided on the draft site for next year. And it's possible it could go back to Montreal again because of just the magnitude of it. I mean, the, there were people in the building the entire time. The people were engaged into it. The people were knowledgeable. And it was it was a good atmosphere. It was a really, really good atmosphere. So, yeah, day two was, you know, especially when you watch those guys that are in the seventh round, and they're sitting there, and now it, here it is, the last round, and you're hoping, please call my name. I, I need you to call my name because this is my last shot. And to watch the joy on their faces when their names were called in the um, in the last round, was uh, that was pretty special. It was it was pretty fun. I, uh, I enjoyed that a lot. So we will uh, – we had a great time, we, and, and, you know, the group that we went with, Dylan Tyre and Jean-Luc Grandpierre, and we had our video crew there, and uh, Jeff Sabota writing for BlueJackets.com. Uh, we, our, our team, our little team there, we had a great time. Um, you know, the Blue Jackets, uh, John Davidson, Yarmo Kekalainen, and the entire staff uh, treated us great. Uh, the NHL treated us great, 
and uh, we felt like we did a lot of work and we had a, a really good time and put it all together. And that's really what it's all about at that. So it was uh, absolutely, it was absolutely wonderful. Donald Bradner says, adding a, veteran def- adding a veteran defenseman could be huge for helping reduce our high goals against stat that we saw last year. Which unrestricted free agent defenseman would you prefer between Klingberg from Dallas, Letty from St. Louis, or Manson from Colorado, and who would you pair them with? Of that list, Manson is the the big hitter, physical, stay-at-home, but as you saw in the playoffs, can uh, get you a sneaky goal, too. Uh, from that list, I would take him. There's no question about it uh, because of those things that he could add, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking to cut down those goals against, so you want a big uh, physical defenseman. Joined right now by a guy that I know would, uh, no matter what team he's playing on, he wants the goals against to be cut down. Goaltender Jet Greaves is with me right now. Jet, welcome to development camp. Uh, what's it like for you this year? How different is coming back to the Blue Jackets organization for you this year? Um, it's good. It's nice to be back here in the middle of summer. We uh we finished a little earlier than we would have liked to, so it's nice to have a break in the off-season training. So it's a lot of fun being back here. Tell me a little bit about your year last year and and what you went through and what a special year it was for you because you wind up getting a contract in it. Yeah, it was a good year. It was uh, a lot of fun. My first year pro, so there were a lot of new experiences to learn from and kind of take some things there going into this season. But it was uh, a lot of new things. I played in Kalamazoo for a little bit. I was in Cleveland, and I was ended up being in Columbus as well. So it was. Uh, Great to get those experiences from three different spots and try to learn a lot and get a little bit better for this year. Yeah, you ran the spectrum last year, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and really, look, I I started in the East Coast Hockey League. And I went to the American Hockey League. I wound up here in the NHL. That was over a long span of time, my friend. I didn't do it in, in one season like you did it. But I, I would imagine going through that and just seeing the transition of what it takes from one level to the next level to the next level had to be very eye-opening for you. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was great to get that kind of variety and – be able to learn in all three spots, and I think um, that variety will help me going forward, just having so many different experiences to draw from and being able to see different situations that I can kind of have that in my memory bank going forward, which I think will help me a lot in my career. And all, by the way, not just coming and, and sitting and, and not playing. I mean, in those two levels, you you played a lot of hockey. Yep. Yeah, it was good. I played, uh, especially going off of the COVID season where we had no season back in the OHL, so for last year to make that jump and play, I think, 45 games I ended up playing total was uh, was a great experience for me in my first year pro, and I'm really looking forward to taking that into this season. As you had all of that experience, and now you come back into this camp in the middle of the summer, you know, leading up to coming here, how much did you think about what we were just talking about? Okay, this is everything that I went through. This is everything that I learned. This is where I have to be mentally as I get ready to start the journey for this year. Yep. I think uh, I think that's huge. I think there are a lot of things I learned this season about just being a good pro and what it takes to be an NHL player and spending some time around the guys here, you kind of see what it takes day in and day out. So uh, that's uh, I've taken that into my focus for this off season and making sure I'm building the right way for next season and the years to come, really making sure I'm ready to do what it takes and prepare myself and put myself in a good position to be an NHL player. One thing about goaltenders, and especially young goaltenders, you learn a lot from the guys that you play with. Um, it's it's such a strange position to me because you only got two guys that do it, right? There's only one other guy that really understands you. Nobody else understands what you guys are doing. So you've only got that one other guy. There normally is a bond between the two guys. You're competing for ice time, but yet you're you're kind of cheerleaders for one another, but you're competing to get more ice time than the other guy. Um, who have you learned a lot from? Last year, going through everything you did, you know, who are some partners that, uh, that helped you along? Um, one that comes to mind right away was J.F. Berube. We spent a lot of time together in Cleveland. 
and it was kind of nice. He's obviously been a pro for a long time and had a lot of different experiences, so I would just try to pick his brain as much as I could about, you know, things on the ice, things off the ice, how we would go through different situations. I think he probably got tired of how many questions I was asking him. but I doubt it, you know, because he just seemed like, you know, he was here for a good bit of time, actually, and, and he's gone through it all. Exactly. Right? Yep, he has. He's been uh, – he started in the coast as well, played in the American League, he's played in the NHL, so I would just try to ask him about it as much as I could, and he was always really good about it, and he'd give me give me a lot of good advice, so I really enjoyed being around him and learning from him, and then when I was here, Elvis and Corpy, it was great to be around them and kind of pick their brains as well, so it's a really good situation, especially with Terry as well in Cleveland. We have uh, a lot of good goalies and a lot of good people in this organization, so we can kind of all bond and learn to learn together and get better together. As we sit here today, the way it looks on paper is you've got Elvis Merzlik and Jonas Corposalo in the National Hockey League. Daniil Tarasov is coming off the surgery he had last year. You and he are going to be in Cleveland with the Monsters at the start of the season. Uh, how much are you looking forward to that, to being able to share the net with a guy like that? You want to talk about learning. I mean, we just saw him a little bit last year, but he looks like he is one of the most technically sound guys. Um, you know, And I know everybody plays a little bit different style, but I'm sure there are plenty of things that you can learn from watching him. Yep, yep. Daniel's a great goalie. We spent a little bit of time together this year in Cleveland, and it's good to be around him. And same thing, we kind of talk about some different things and just to see how he plays, see how he plays different situations. It's uh, really great for myself, and we can kind of learn off each other. So I think it should be a really good relationship this year in Cleveland, and I think we're, we're going to have a lot of fun together. Cleveland's not a bad place to be. I mean, you want to be in the NHL. I totally get that. But, you know, when I was in the American Hockey League, I was in Syracuse, which would have been more comparable to your Kalamazoo experience yep. in the ECHL. So, um, you know, what's it like to, to play there in big league city, big league building, and, and big league treatment for being in the American Hockey League? Yeah, yeah, we're really fortunate being in Cleveland. We, I would think that's probably one of the better cities as far as American League cities go. I mean, we have the Cavs right there. We share the arena with them, and then the Guardians. Not bad on an off night, right? No, not bad at all. <laughs> not bad at all. We got to a few Cavs games this year, which were a lot of fun. And then we share with the Guardians, who are right there. And then the Browns are just down the street as well. So it's a busy city. There's always something to do, which is a lot of fun for us, especially younger guys with no families. We can now always find something to do in Cleveland. Yeah, that's not bad. Hey, as we look ahead uh, past this camp, I don't want to do that. I mean, I know you have work to do here, but once you get to training camp this September, you know. What um, what's the thing that you've worked on the most that you want to be able to show off when you get to that camp? I think something that um, you know, going into this off season, Manny and I and Tease, we kind of talked about just different things we want to get better in my game, just as far as just the pot, my posture on the ice, and just really allowing myself to be an athlete and kind of play free. So that's been the focus to this early on this off season. That's the focus this camp, and that'll be the focus the rest of the off season. So I think. Really, just translating that into uh, into the season, into camp, and into the season this year, and just making that really consistent, and just continuing continuing to develop my game, and just the way I take care of myself as a pro. I've talked to Mandy Legacy before about that posture thing that you're talking about. Can you explain to people that don't understand what is what is the most important about, like when you say posture, what specifically have you talked about needing to be better in there? Um, I think it's it's natural a lot of times for goalies to get kind of hunched over, especially with their upper body posture and kind of with their hips. And a lot of times what, that, what that'll do is it'll kind of lock you up and make it a little bit harder to move and to play free. So for us, it's just about making sure that my upper body is going to be really tall and my hips stay loose and stay free. And that usually translates to just being able to move better and um, keep up with the pace of play and be ahead of the pace of play. So I think 
just really allowing myself to be free with that posture is what usually translates well. And as you just said, be an athlete. Exactly. Right? Be an athlete. I mean, you put together like an athlete. Be an athlete, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. Hey, uh, thanks very much for taking a couple of minutes for me. I really do appreciate it. Best of luck in the rest of this camp. Can't wait to see you in September. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was All a lot right. of fun. That is Jet Graves, goaltender for the Blue Jackets. Uh, as I said, right now, he is penciled in to be with the Cleveland Monsters. Who knows what happens? I mean, things change all the time. He's a young guy. He's going to get the opportunity to come to camp and open up some eyes, and that's what training camp in the National Hockey League is about, and this is where it starts, right here. You want to you want to work hard in this camp. Guys that do work hard in this camp, I know what I said earlier about, you know, you can stand out in this camp, and then the next one is the one that really matters. But the fact is, in all fairness, if you open eyes in this camp, people are going to remember that going into the next camp, and then they're going to be looking for you to do more. And if you can do more in that next camp, then you've really put yourself in a good position. So uh, when it uh, all comes down to it, uh, it there's, this is really important. It's really important what they do now. It's going to be really important uh, what they do in September. But you really have a, a chance to put down a foundation right now if you are in this camp. All right, let me go back to uh, – let me go back to some of the questions that I have on Twitter on this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 Live from the Chiller North where the Blue Jackets uh, are finishing really their first day of on-ice uh, development camp. Uh, Badgy Kimron says, I think one of the reasons the Blue Jackets passed on some of the talented centers in last week's draft was because they thought or knew that they could land one in free agency. Andrew Kopp would be interesting to me. He played with Line A in Winnipeg, and he takes 54% or he wins 54% of his face-off draws. Very interesting. I want you to I want to hold that thought there because uh, we have Jake Mater who says, word on the street is that Chicago won't make an offer to Dylan Strome. Certainly we should be interested, most other teams as well. Do you figure we have what it takes to land Strome and what should be a competitive market? So those are two interesting names is why I bring that up. Um, Dylan Strome and also Andrew Kopp. And he, Andrew Kopp, here's the thing that, um, look, I don't know if they're going to go after one of these guys or not, but Andrew Kopp, back during the playoffs, I was talking to my son about this, and I said, you know what, I think that that, would, that guy would be a good fit. Not only did he play with Patrick Laine, but he is good friends with Zach Wierenski. Now, that's all great until the price tag comes down because the price tag has to be something that is going to, uh, that's going to fit within the system, not just for right now but for the future as you get better and you want to have a manageable cap so that you can, you know, so that you can continue to grow and uh, don't get backed into a corner with the salary cap. But um, Andrew Kopp is interesting to me, and the face-off wins is one of the uh, biggest things because, as we know, the Blue Jackets have had an issue in the past with that, winning face-offs. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't Like I said, I don't know uh, if they'll go after – one of those guys or both of those guys, uh, if the, they'll make an attempt at that, I don't know what the case is going to be. But, you know, either one would be good. They're both good NHL players. But the Andrew Kopp thing, those little extras there, the line A relationship, the Wierenski relationship, again, it comes down to the price tag. But um, be interesting to watch, I do think. Kevin Zuckerman says, is there still an opportunity for Yarmo to make additional moves this offseason in the form of trades? Feels like we have a glut of forwards and could still use some improved defense right now, but without the first-rounders, he has less ammo to work with. He has a first-rounder next year if he wanted to part with that. He's got a full slate of uh, 
draft picks for next year that he could use if he wants to, Kevin. So it's just because he didn't use them in 2022, he has that full slate of 2023s if he wants to use. So that's not an issue, but there are a lot of forwards, and as we've said many times, the thought process is they'll more than likely try to use the forwards to get defensemen. That would only make sense. Uh, you're trying to clear out some guys and bring in some other guys, and if you can pair it up, that would be perfect. Hold on for just a second. Is there one more guy available? Still one more. Yeah, sorry about that. We're going to get one more guest. I was talking to the PR staff here about getting one more guest, and uh, and we'll go from there. Let me see. Let me scroll through the questions. I'm sure I can find another one here that I haven't uh, gone through. Thanks for your questions, by the way. It's uh, no, It's been great to be back at it here these last couple of days up at the draft in Montreal and then back here today. Uh, we're going to do another show on Wednesday, free agency show, where I will uh, join Jody Shelley on that one and uh, going to talk all about that. And Wednesday is free agency day, by the way. Free agency opens at noon on Wednesday. So we'll do a little free agency show for you. Uh, coming up on Wednesday, we're not done from here yet. We're not done whatsoever. So it's going to be a good couple of days here at this uh, at this development camp for the Blue Jackets. Maybe I did get through all the questions that I had today. Maybe I did dance around and maybe not get them in order. Well, Brian Batten said, will the Blue Jackets be looking to add a center in free agency and and who would they be looking at adding? We just talked about a couple of names and Cop and Strom. And um, will they be looking to add somebody? Again, it, it's got to be uh, the price has got to be right. If you don't have the right price, if you can't set it up properly, then it's just uh, it's just not going to happen. You just go with what you have from there. So we will uh, we'll see what happens when it comes to that. And it's, it's going to be an exciting day on Wednesday because you know usually teams move quickly and it. it you don't have to get it done on Wednesday. You can get it done at any time, but most teams go uh, pretty quickly when it comes to that. And if the Blue Jackets have somebody they like, and if that somebody is available, then they're going to uh, they're going to take them as quickly as they possibly can and try to get them signed to a deal. So uh, we'll see what happens. See what happens with all of that come Wednesday. Well, you know what the the saying is. The saying is, you save the best for last. Nick Blankenberg is with me here, and uh, Nick, it's great to see you again, man. How are you? Yeah, good to see you. Everything's uh, everything's good. How, how's your summer been? It has been good. It has been fun. I was just talking about the fact we got a chance to go up to Montreal for the draft, so it was uh, it was good to be back with the hockey world once again in person. Uh, uh, what about you? You're here at this camp, but you're not going to be on the ice, right? Yep. No, no ice for me this week. Um, just been dealing with something the last few weeks, so just uh, continuing to get better each week and um, go from there. So it's nice to be here and just be around the guys and whatnot so it's been a lot of fun what was it like at the draft party the other night it was cool i walked in and i didn't realize there was going to be that many people there so a lot of credit to the the fans in the fifth line for for showing out so it was a pretty cool experience just to to meet people and, and just to see how passionate the fan base is how happy were they to see you <laughs> i don't know i think they were pretty happy yeah <laughs> i think they were too i wanted to ask you about this you know i go back to the game against edmonton when you scored your first national hockey league goal and a great experience for you, no doubt about that. But the reaction from the fans, I mean, you only played a handful of games for this team at the end of the year last year, and uh, I don't know if I've seen anybody make so many fans so quickly as you have. 
did you get the feeling in those games that you know everybody they're rooting for you, man? It's like uh, they're going to root for the the small guy that plays with a big heart. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely feel it, and um, I think it just for me to be able to come into that situation and just see how um, how passionate the fan base is was is pretty cool to see. Um, being out of a playoff spot, I mean, a Sunday game at four o'clock, you're still selling out, and um, the fans are the fans are going and they're excited. So I think there's a lot to be excited for, and, and they can definitely feel that too. How many times you watched that goal back? Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know, probably a decent amount over the <laughs> over the last few months. I would too. Yeah, it was definitely a special moment for me. And I would have texted that to everybody I know, man. <laughs> that was that was uh, that was some kind of sweet. The unfortunate thing was that you did end up uh, hurt before it was all said and done. You couldn't finish like you wanted to, uh, you know, finish in all of the games. But um, you know, how confident are you? You're going to be good to go, ready for September this year. Yeah, I'll I'll be 100 percent in the next probably two or three weeks. So. Um, just looking forward to getting back into full training and, and being back on the ice fully. So, when you uh, when you look at this camp, you look at some of the guys that are around here. You know what the Blue Jackets did at the draft uh, last weekend. You know, take a couple of defensemen in the first round. Uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. Maybe not. Well, there's going to be competition right now for you. You've got to come in and put your best foot forward. No doubt about that. But um, you look here, and over the next couple of years, I mean, this is going to be a place you're going to have to work to be on the blue line, isn't it? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's a. I wouldn't say a problem, but it's a good thing to have to have competition and um, have a lot of young guys who are competing for spots. I think I think that's definitely a good thing, and um, it's good for the organization. I think the team is in a really good spot right now with prospects, and especially in this last draft. And you see guys like uh, like Cat and Silly, who they just drafted recently, and, and they're doing great. So it's definitely exciting to see and, and exciting to be a part of. And um, yeah. Nick Blankenberg, Blue Jackets defenseman, is with me right now. And uh, you talk about Kent Johnson. He's here. I was I was asking uh, Trent Vogelhuber, the Cleveland coach, I said, anybody uh, jump out at you today? And he goes, well, that number 13 guy's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? He's unreal. I, yeah, he continues to jump out. Let me ask you a question about him. Like you, you played with him in college. You've seen him do some great things with the puck. It seemed like last year – um, in the few games that he played, he started to get better and better. I just told somebody at the draft the other day, somebody asked about him, and I said, I, I swear I thought he was going to score on the last shot of the season, right? He took a shot right That's before close. the horn in the last game there in Pittsburgh. And um, But uh, do you see him, like, as you watch him, you see it coming for him at this level? Yeah, 100%. I think it's um, to step in to become a playmaker, a goal scorer in the NHL at the age of 18, 19 is very difficult, and um, you just saw in the games that he played, you saw glimpses where um, he was making plays, and I mean he had a lot of chances to score. And uh, I think I think he'll be a really good addition and really good uh, as the year goes on or as the summer goes on, pushing for a spot in training camp. Even though you were with the team for a handful of games at the end of the year last year, is it good for you to come to something like this and be around all of these guys? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, never been to a development camp before with with COVID and whatnot, and like it's just a good experience for me to meet meet these younger guys. I know I'm a 98 birth year. Most of these guys are 03s, 04s. So um, it's nice to be around these guys and answer any questions that they have or just kind of be somebody to um, just be around it. So it's it's good to be around. And it's a relaxed atmosphere, but it's also a work atmosphere at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can see out today they're working hard and Kenny's putting them through some good drills. So Kenny's been uh, waiting for months. Kenny oh, McCudden. Yeah. Kenny McCudden probably drew up drills oh, yeah. three months ago. This is Kenny. Kenny's bread and bread and butter. So <laughs> he uh, he's got a smile on his face out there, and it looks like he's having a lot of fun. And um, same with the other coaches too. So it's it's cool to see. Well, Nick, it's great to see you. Uh, can't wait to see you on the ice in September. 
at the Ice House for training camp. And, uh, hey, enjoy the rest of your summer. Yep, thanks. You too. Thanks for having me. All right, Nick Blankenberg of the Blue Jackets joining me here on this live CBJ in 30 from the Chiller North. Blue Jackets wrapping up the first day on the ice. They'll be back out here tomorrow morning, and then they've got the three-on-three three coming up on Wednesday. Um, I've had some questions about that. The three-on-three three is not going to be live-streamed this year because of circumstances. When we're at Nationwide Arena and in the Ice House, it's very easy to do with the, uh, the production facility there. We don't have the same thing here. So uh, the three-on-three tournament is not going to be streamed this year, but you're more than welcome to come out, if you can, to the Chiller North and watch it live, which is a heck of a lot more fun anyway. So um, that's what's going on for the rest of the week here at Development Camp as the Blue Jackets get these prospects on the ice and get them a chance to get to know one another and get to – Get to meet the coach. I'm trying to get out of the way so people can get things unplugged here, as crazy as it is. But anyway, that's uh, that's the situation from here at the Chiller North. Thanks for being on Twitter Spaces today for another live CBJ in 30, the Monday Mailbag Edition. Always appreciate your questions and the way that you guys are locked in. That's the uh, that's a really big thing about it. I mean, here we are, basically the middle of July, and you were locked in and you were ready to go, and uh, you were – you were there for the draft, and now you're here for the first day of on ice at the development camp, and it's going to be exciting. You can already feel the excitement, even here, with the people that were uh, just here and watching this. You heard from some of the players that are taking place in the, that are taking part in this camp. You heard from the coaches that are running this camp, and there is a lot of excitement. People can't wait to get back at it, and that's what they will do once again tomorrow and then Wednesday, and that's all looking ahead to the big camp. It's coming up in September at Nationwide Arena when we get set to uh, get prepared for the 2022-2023 season. So, again, thanks for all your questions. Thanks for uh, or thanks to Dylan Tyre for coming on and breaking down some prospect stuff with me earlier. Trent Vogelhuber, head coach of the Cleveland Monsters. Thanks to him. Derek Dorsett, Blue Jackets development coach. Uh, goaltender Jet Greaves and defenseman Nick Blankenberg. Thanks uh, to all of them for coming on and joining me today. That'll do it for this live edition of CBJ in 30. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.